Good morning. On this episode of Question Crunch, my friend Ryan Omega has answers to my questions about LARPing, unnecessary nerdy hierarchy, and the positive life lessons of vampire politics. Cool. So, Ryan, uh, you and I met uh, on that fateful day at uh, one of Erica Ishii's 24-hour charity streams. And yes. ever, uh, ever since then, uh, I've appreciated your friendship. I've loved seeing everything that you work on whenever you post something. It seems like every few days or every few weeks, you post another project that you're working on. I do a lot of things. <laughs> and part of it is because my mind tends to get bored really fast. So I keep wanting to do more and more things. So if I'll be, so if I get up and, and work on some stuff, then it settles my mind, but then I'll always think of, okay, what else can I do? <laughs> but right now when we're under quarantine, my mind has forced itself to chill and it's almost like an engine that's almost flooding <laughs> right now because I want to do these things, but I can't, do half of the things because they require being social and we can't do that right now. <laughs> uh, but what projects, while, while, while we can, when we can, uh, what projects are you working on? Because it seems like the list keeps growing and I'm like, all right, cool. So now I know what projects he works on. You worked on that one, that one, that one. And as I'm writing a list, I feel like you're going to tweet another one. It's like, all right, cool. I started a new podcast, a new role playing thing. <laughs> what projects <laughs> do you work on? So the, Projects that I'm responsible for are a podcast called Life Action Roleplay, a LARP podcast. We're about to hit 20,000 downloads in the next couple of days. Whoa. And so I'm really excited. And it's a podcast all about LARP with my friends Cynthia Marie and Kai Norman. And I produce a live stream show called, um, called Blank Slate, which is a live stream LARP. And... It's been going on for about a year. And right now we're retooling it so that we can still have that same world, but we're inside um, or not. Uh, because like the game itself is sort of like the shows that you watch on uh, on tabletop gaming. So like the D&D actual plays. But the big difference is that we don't have a table. People are physically interacting in that space. Like you're in a black box theater. And there's no dice to roll. It's all improv and role play. But everybody has the capacity to to die. And when they do die, they're, they get one monologue for their life. So they have to convince me as a storyteller if it's worth their character living to continue their story or if they die right there. So they, t they, they tell you a monologue or, or they, do they do a dying monologue? Is it a selling monologue or is it a dying monologue? It is a selling monologue. So, okay. I, so I walk in, and my figure is in a black robe. He's almost like the Grim Reaper, sort of. And I appear to them, and I tell them, you are about to die. Do you want to end things here, or will you use your wits and will to stay alive? And a few people choose to die, and others have to convince me in a three-minute timer, why do you deserve to live? And it gets very dramatic very fast. That um, sounds pretty. Uh, that sounds pretty intense. Um, what do you just use your normal voice, or do you have a Grim Reaper voice? 
the voice that I was just using is what I speak when okay, I, cool. when I talk to the message. <laughs> and I'm just I'm just wondering because I was thinking that I I was trying to think of like what what kind of voice I would do if I was a Grim Reaper if it would be like a it would be like Bobcat Goldblum or or would I go for more of a uh, I don't know Christopher Lee kind of persona. <laughs> The way I change my voice is that I just speak a lot slower, more methodical, so it sounds more intimidating and deliberate. Because when I speak, I'm normally not like that. So it's an unusual character for me to play because I want to say all the things all at once because my mind is always racing a mile a minute, but my mouth is only speaking this fast. So... So it's a different type of character. And then I do a few uh, other projects, uh, including Total Party Kills, which is a reverse dungeon crawler, uh, which means that I play Beholder as a um, player character. And all of the rest of my friends are also um, uh, monsters. And I also <laughs> have... Uh, and I'm also being recruited into a couple of other projects which haven't been formulated yet. So... Uh, so I'm still waiting to be able to talk about that. And then there's one project which I signed an NDA uh, a while ago, and that's still in progress, even though we're under um, quarantine because they retooled it as well. <laughs> that I I will never uh, I will never try to argue with an, an, an what is it? non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, agreement. Okay, NDA, NDA. Yes. I always forget it. I I'm so bad with acronyms. It's really bad. Um, I, I know uh, at at my warehouse job, like they'll throw acronyms at us that I really should know, and they're like, "Oh, you know, go to this department." I was like, "Can you just use the uh, can you just the layman's terms? Don't don't give me acronyms." Because um, um, people tro uh, trolls online a lot of times when they try to insult me, they'll use an acronym like uh, uh I saw because I do uh, you've seen my Trump Doodle Tuesdays, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, someone commented an acronym of, uh, what was it, K-Y-S? K-Y-S? Because it was Kill Yourself. And I don't know what the acronym was, so I had to so Google that. To find... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there are some, there are definitely some trolls. Oh, there's one other project that... Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Go on. No, that's okay. Uh, it's not a project that I, um, that I started, but it's a project that I'm part of. I'm also one of the adult reactors for Fine Brothers Entertainment, the React channel. So oh, I was wondering about that because I saw that acronym on your list and I was like, oh, what does that acronym stand for? <laughs> yeah. So anytime you see on the internet or on the YouTube, uh, people react to and then name a popular culture thing or a popular food or an unpopular person, that would be me. I would be one of those people sometimes on the internet just reacting to things or playing games it's it's really fun it's a, it's very cool and it's it's weird that people millions of people watch me react to a thing on the internet what what ha what has been one of your favorite things to react to probably uh i think one of them is uh reacting to or trying not to eat food from the good place and so the challenge is they're cooked foods from the good place from the show the good place and they put it in front of us and our challenge was not to eat any of them and in the end we get a prize uh tori and i decided immediately we're gonna fail we're gonna fail this because the food is just so good and it smells really appetizing so 
we decided that we would just fail. And then in that episode, um, we get, if you don't win, you get a punishment. And our punishment was being, uh, being roasted while I had to eat white chocolate covered shrimp. How was the white, co- co- white chocolate covered shrimp? Not good. <laughs> those are two things that are good to uh good separately not good at all together because the texture is weird shrimp it's like a cocktail shrimp so it's cold but then you have this white chocolate which is frozen on top of it so then when you eat the white chocolate it breaks and you get this mushy shrimp and it is it's not good there, there's no way and then about maybe 20 minutes later, I had a horrible stomach ache. I didn't tell anybody because I still want to do these eating challenges, but I'm like, oh man, my stomach hated me for, for eating that. Um, so how, why was it so hard to not eat the food? Were you, uh, were you having a conversation and the food was just there? I actually have a pretty good amount of willpower. If someone tells me don't eat it, I won't eat it. Yeah. However, I think... I won one challenge in the past, and when I read the internet comments, which I realize you're not supposed to, but I was just curious, and a lot of people said that I wasn't fun because I won the challenges. I'm like, but the point is to win the challenge. It's like, no, the actual thing is the point is to be entertaining. So so I thought, okay, I already won one challenge, so I'm going to fail this one, but luckily my partner Tori decided that we would fail together. So we both failed at the same time, but we would try to avoid eating certain things so that it looked like we had some level of effort, but, uh, but it was fun. Uh, <laughs> Just taking a bite of shrimp. Are you not entertained? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> honestly, I'm going to go find that video because I want to see you eat that shrimp because that sounds like I love shrimp, but that sounds disgusting. <laughs> It's, yeah, it is very disgusting. Oh, no. Um, what is LARP? So, LARP, yeah, so LARP stands for live action role playing. And uh, the my basic definition is if you and a person you're, that you're role playing with agree that you're both playing characters and you're in a setting that you both agree is not the setting that you're actually in, you're LARPing. And that's very, very vague, but it encompasses a whole lot of things. So for example, anyone going to Star Wars land in Disneyland, if you decide that you're going to dress up like a Jedi and you interact with staff and you role play as if you are a character talking to another character, you're LARPing. So, and the easiest way to to um, describe it is you're playing pretend. That's the easiest way to describe it. And it's weird how a lot of people right now are totally into Dungeons and Dragons, but I have people in Dungeons and Dragons who have told me to my face, LARP is too nerdy for me. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What? What did you just say, bitch? That's really bizarre. It's this strange nerd hierarchy, which doesn't, nerd hierarchy doesn't really exist anymore. We like to pretend that it does, 
because you're allowed to enjoy all of the things. You can like D&D and anime and LARP and Star Wars or Star Trek, or, or you could like both of them or Battlestar Galactica. You can love all of those things. So the idea of rivalries in nerdom or geekdom is preposterous. I agree completely. And that's kind of, that's so bizarre. It's like people go to Renaissance fair. And if yes. you're gonna drink, if you're gonna be drinking, and if you're gonna be playing with people as if they are that character, then is that you, not LARPing? Yeah, <laughs> then you've just LARPed. <laughs> if you if you talk to the queen or if you talk to a knight, you have LARPed. Aha. <laughs> uh, when did you start doing role playing games? I started around 2000, and around then I was actually in the anime club in Berkeley. And I didn't really do a ton of, I didn't start LARP until then. And so what happened was my friend Sarah at the time, she went to KubelCon, which is still a large convention in the West Coast. Uh, it's in San Francisco. And she went to KubelCon to play games. And then she ranted and raved about LARP. And me being part of the anime club, and I thought, those LARPers? You mean the guys that pretend to be vampires on campus? And <laughs> And at that time, we thought, okay, we're, we're not those nerds. <laughs> and so we didn't go. And then one day, Sarah came in and wore this beautiful PVC dress. And my first thought, well, all of our first thought was, oh, my God, you have boobs. <laughs> because Sarah, before then, she always dressed in flannels, uh, always hit herself. Like, she kind of hunched over um, very uh, a lot and uh you know she was a great member of the anime club but then when she went to LARP we just kind of thought okay that's weird but when I saw her in that dress I went what made you transform into a lot into a person who's a lot more confident from just going to these things so I thought okay I want to try doing this LARP thing and I thought if I was going to do this LARP thing I'm going to dress up i'm gonna go to the nines i wore a tuxedo and tails to my first larp and i was a butler ghoul named cesar and i was the best butler <laughs> who worked for you, an elder vampire you buttled all over the place <laughs> my first game of larp keep in mind i've never larped before the rival domain decided to kidnap me to offend the elder that it was serving so my first game, I was kidnapped by a whole group of people. And that was my introduction to LARP. And I, and I embraced it fully ever since because I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> Just based on one kidnapping. Yep. Uh, that's pretty cool. That, uh, that, that does say something that uh, becoming a new character gives you that kind of level of boldness of doing something that you normally would not do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for your friend going from uh, just wearing really comfy, because I'm a big fan of comfort. Comfort is my priority. And mm -hmm. so to dress up as a character who comfort might not be their priority, they mm -hmm. want to get all, you know, dolled up. That's that's pretty awesome. I, I, I can appreciate that being a, being a result of getting into role playing. Yeah. One of the cool things that I love about LARP is that it gives you the opportunity to also try different identities, but even different skill sets. I used to have a big fear of public speaking until I had to role play a noble and talk to 
20, 50, 100 people constantly using my diaphragm and addressing everybody. After doing it for so long, I figured out how not to be afraid when doing public speaking. And I now could give tips to other people. This is what you do. And it's, uh, and it's really cool to have skills that I've developed in role play and transfer it over into real life where I can use it professionally. And even talking to you right now, I can have that sense of calm because I now understand some of the tricks that I learned from role-playing it so often. That's pretty cool. Uh, do you have any uh, other uh, weird, not weirder, uh, skills that would not be expected to be able to use outside of role-play, but you do? Mm, I would say, oh, you mean like ones that come from role-playing? Well, because well, like, like if, if, if you learned a skill of, uh, I don't know, doing archery and you're like, I'm never going to use this in real world. And then someone's like, man, I've got this bow and arrow. If only I knew someone who can shoot it. And you're like, I do. <laughs> the one skill that I did develop was playing politics in role playing. Now, I've done it. Uh, I used to be a political science major in the past, but then I got I felt really dirty. So I changed to English. <laughs> true and i and i went to play vampire games and some of the vampire games were so incredibly stressful and manipulative that it prepared me for international business when i used to work in development that sounds nauseatingly toxic <laughs> What it taught me is that uh, when people think of like vampires, they think, oh, they're, manip they're manipulative bloodsuckers. But it's also a matter of how diplomatic can I be with a party that could potentially be offended by things that I do or say in order to get us to both agree to do a thing. So a real life example would be getting a phone call from China and telling us that a movie premiere had been closed down um, in Chengdu because a massive earthquake happened and they couldn't, and trying to premiere a movie there when thousands of people died was very insensitive. So they were asking me, what do we do? And normally I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like you're in China, there's an earthquake and you're trying to hold a movie premiere, what the fuck? You know, uh, wait, can we swear? Is yeah, just... we, can, we can swear. We okay, can swear. Good. I just realized. <laughs> but instead of, but instead of like panicking and like ripping into them, because that never works in any kind of negotiation or especially anyone asking for your opinion. What I, you know, first of all, I suggested it's like, well, um, are there other places where you can go? Can you do this at a studio? Can you? opt not to open in Chengdu. And they figured out a solution. We figured out a solution within an hour where we kind of went, okay, um, we are gonna go to, I, I forget, I think they either went to a hotel or a studio instead um, to have their opening um, because they didn't want to, uh, again, it would have been insensitive to hold that when there's a alert an active alert in that area um, and a lot of death. Um, yeah. 
but it also just took us a while and it I, it required me to also listen to all of their concerns because I realized that if you don't open in that area, you have just blown a lot of money and you can't, you know, you can't salvage that. But ultimately we realized it's also marketing. Do we want to spend that money and have it so negatively affected by that, uh, by what looks like a scheme, even though it was like directly planned, uh, you know, is it worth that? And we decided, no, it's not worth that. Go ahead and lose the money, go somewhere else, and then maybe use some of that money to help efforts. You know, like there were other options that we could think of and it, we just had to get them out of the head of, oh my God, we're losing all this money. <laughs> and that's, what, so that's some of the things that I had to learn in uh, playing politics because my answer couldn't be, I don't know. Because that would have not looked well on me. So when you first were talking about the uh, learning, learning politics with the vampires, I got more of a negative feeling for it because, like, uh, um, you've re you've read Ari Salvatore, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whenever they take him to Menza Berenzen, the the Drow city, I get really annoyed, or however you pronounce that, the the Drow city. Uh, yeah. When you whenever they go to the Underdark and it's terrifying and everyone is trying to kill each other. I mm -hmm. thought that was with the vampires, but um, the way you said you use that those skills on, in the real world, it's just more along the lines of diplomacy and particularly being able to work with other people to get to a uh, mutually beneficial uh, beneficial result. Which, uh, from what you've said and what I've heard of role playing, I feel like that's all of role playing that you're all. You all have your own background characters, and you're all trying to do a show. You're trying to tell a story, mm -hmm. so you're all trying to learn how to tell it together, and that's that's a fantastic skill. I think more people need to learn. <laughs> One of the best skills that I have learned of any place and any time is empathy. Really being able to look through someone else's eyes and think the way they do has helped me so much in trying to get things done. Because if they're reacting to something that they're angry about or fearful about, if you never address it in trying to get something out of them, A, they will never help you, and B, they will resent that you want something from them and they're, you're, they're clearly not in the mindset to be able to participate. And empathy has been a thing that you've had to work with in role-playing and real life, right? Yes. Uh, for, so aside from role-playing, um, I have also done a bunch of metaphysical stuff for many, many years. Um, blank slate. When, when did that start and how did it start? Like what, when was the thing where it's like, oh, here, we're doing this thing? So I can tell you blank slate started on March 12, 2019. <laughs> So we just reached a year of doing Blank Slate. And what it was, it was, it was originally going to be a Dungeons & Dragons tabletop that I was going to run with, with an original uh, background. However, when I went to the Scabby Rooster, uh, which is the studio where I shoot in, they gave me a challenge, and that is, we want you to turn this into a work. And... I went, give me a week, because I was not ready for that proposal. <laughs> and it was weird. There were 
five studios that actually were willing to house my D&D game because I have played D&D on the official D&D Twitch channel um, in the past and people in Dungeons and Dragons know who I am. But so converting that into uh, a LARP with no dice and no tables just took me a while to get to wrap my head around. And uh, March 12th, we premiered and it was originally a murder mystery that the audience had to be able to solve while watching. And we didn't reveal who the murderer was, but the reality was the audience was able to vote for who they thought was a murderer. And then we were able to kind of write that in once we got in all the polls. And then I worked with all the actors, okay, or with one of the actors, not telling the other actors who the murderer was. So by the time the final episode of the season happened, the reveal was shocking to everybody, and we had to make it all work. And <laughs> it was a challenge. It was a challenge uh, because it's not like regular tabletop where I could be behind a dungeon master screen, and if I and if I screwed up, I could just pivot with all the notes that I have or all the dice rolls. There's no screen for me to hide behind. I have to do this off the top of my head. If something unexpected happens, I have to roll with it. Even if I might have planned something for a couple of weeks and I want this thing to happen, sometimes people get sick or sometimes players do things you don't expect them to do, just like in regular Dungeons and Dragons. But it's a show, so I have to make it look like that I'm still calm and everything is okay and we will get a resolve. So if someone throws a, throws a potential plot line all, completely out the window, you're like, cool, all right, that was fun making that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have had plot lines where I planned, like, from the very beginning, this is how it's going to end. And, like, the hour just before we went on the show, I had to throw it out. Because it made absolute sense <laughs> for the story. And I didn't want to shoehorn the audience or the cast into doing this one particular thing because that's what I wanted. Because if I wanted that, I might as well have written this play. The idea is for people to have the player agency and have fun role-playing and show what a LARP looks like. Because the big thing that everyone keeps asking me is, well, why don't you just put GoPros on everybody? and put them out in force and everybody could see what everyone's doing. And I said, yes, but that doesn't tell you a story. What it shows you is a bunch of moving cameras, like, uh, like you're watching Big Brother, but there's no story there. And I made my format so that it can be uh, like a soap opera and it can be digestible. And right now, while we're under quarantine, We've been rerunning uh, season two of Blank Slate on the air, and it's getting as many hits um, even when we were live because uh, the players themselves are fully invested in the characters because I don't tell them you can't do that. I just tell I just ask them how do you do it, and then if there's a if there's, ah, if there's a consequence, then I give them a consequence which can include death. Um, you said, uh, what was it? Uh, you, s man, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of, because you're, you're saying the characters, 
Damn. All right. Never mind about that question. Wow. <laughs> I had a question. I had a question that was ready to go, but I completely forgot. All right. But um, when we first met, we connected via Erica. Mm -hmm. um, okay. No, no. All right. So when the people when uh, who knew who was the murderer? So you told me that uh, you would pick the the actor and you would pull them aside to tell them that they were a murderer. How long before the big reveal did they know they were the murderer? So at the end of the third episode of the first season, uh, the polls went out and they uh, and they had to vote who the murderer was. Uh, the way I had to do it is I had to slowly section things off so they didn't have like everybody to vote for so i first so my first poll was is it um one of the pcs or is it an npc then the next poll was uh um is it someone of a noble status or someone who's not um if i think that's what it was i don't remember um and then third one was voting um okay of these people which of the five people did it so as a result, people could figure out, okay, it's going to be one of these five because we're voting for them. Um, and all the actors were forewarned that, you know, you could possibly be the murderer. When I figured out who the murderer was, I took them aside and told them around four hours before we started shooting. Just wow. so that they could digest what was happening, but also so I wouldn't reveal to anybody else what was going on. But it kind of freaked them out a little bit because because <laughs> they're like, oh my God, what, wait, I'm the murderer? How does this work? And I said, don't worry, I got it. Like we will, uh, we're going to do a flashback scene where we show everybody what happens, but I gave it to them a little bit early so that they could think about it because I didn't realize that to do that to an improv player can sometimes throw them completely off, especially if they've been playing a character consistently a certain way. So I just had to let them get comfortable with it, and, and then we went on. But no one knew until it was revealed, except for that one person. So, so not even anyone else in the cast. Four, four hours before the actual filming. Yes. So that, mean, that meant he had to keep, it, keep that secret for seven hours. <laughs> That, that that's pretty that's pretty awesome. I was like to, to, to have someone who thought that they knew their character and then all of a sudden, hang on, okay. <laughs> that's cool. And it feels like it's a, you, you gave the uh, audience the cast uh, it feels like you gave the audience, the chat room, uh, a game of guess who with the, the heads of like everyone in the characters is like, all right, cool, so they're they're royal. Let's uh, knock down all the non royals. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I'm Definitely going to have to go back and check out Blank, Blank Slate because that sounds really cool. I did not know it was going to be a murder mystery. Yeah. Damn. And that, was the, <laughs> and that was the first season because the second yeah. season we're like, well, we can't do another murder mystery. So so what else do we do? And eventually the format now is more of a soap opera <laughs> because that's what people seem to enjoy. And I also <laughs> it's a soap opera. <laughs> um, so – I mentioned that we met at our mutual friend Erica's party, uh, mm -hmm. but then I found out uh, later, uh, after talking to other friends, that we had another mutual friend in Christian, in the Chimichanga Superstar. Yeah. Um, you met him via Labyrinth, correct? Yes. 
So how was that experience? Because uh, the first time I ever worked at Labyrinth was just last year where I was doing free drawings in a Christian's area. Um, but you were much more involved. Yeah, uh, I started in Labyrinth in 2010, and I originally was a assistant backstage. And how I got involved was that there was another LARP that I was part of. And one of the players was a volunteer coordinator for Labyrinth. And the reason why I decided to go was because uh, at the time, when I saw all of the information and all of the pictures from Labyrinth, I literally thought that group was so full of pretty people, there is no way that I could fit into this world. I, I looked at them like, okay, that's, that is way beyond me because they're just they're absolutely everyone everybody is gorgeous but if i'm helping backstage i'll be good enough to be backstage that is my literal thought when i joined that's depressing i also have a huge, <laughs> I also have a huge case of imposter syndrome okay so, so that was the reason why and once i helped out backstage uh the first the first night uh, I was backstage and I was in regular clothes. And the rule in Labyrinth is that you cannot go out in regular clothes. Everybody is in costume. So for the first night, like I felt kind of crappy in because I had to borrow people's clothes to just go to the bathroom because <laughs> I literally could not be seen in normal clothes because that was the rule. Um, the next night I thought, okay, I'm just gonna wear just a black cloak and a blindfold and a journal and a pen. I'll go as a blind seer. So I'll just do that. And it was not very elaborate at all. But for some reason, a lot of people just really liked the look of how I acted and just walking across the stage. It looked like I was floating and people would just be spooked, but people really liked the outfit. Um, over time, I became um, the executive executive assistant to um, Sean Strader, who runs Labyrinth. And after that, I became the line producer, and I began, and I was the second command for running the entire event for at least five or six years. So that's a that's a hell of a climb. <laughs> it is a it's a hell yeah. Like I I realized I told you I was just feeling. I was just kind of feeling like out of place and suddenly like I'm stuck in command. <laughs> I realize there's more story there. I, um, I need to be I need to be backstage uh, or run it. Yeah, or, or run it and keep things organized because I <laughs> because I was just pretty good at keeping things organized and I thought uh, but at the same time I was also playing a character called the Viscount um, of Cipher and he was the person who was the power behind the throne and kept things organized, but also made a lot of back deals. Uh, so very much like Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones, like he was that character. And uh, it was the first character that was very political in a world that's supposed to be very um, fae-like and Arthurian. I kind of brought a little bit of Game of Thrones into that world. I uh, I don't know if it was at Renaissance Fair or Labyrinth, but uh, have you seen the, the show Gallivant? Yeah, I have. They 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 there's a song uh, Jackass in a Can, and I've always wanted to sing it around knights at, at where at some location where there are knights or people in armor. I've always wanted to sing 
jackass in a can. <laughs> I imagine some people will either join you or appreciate it. Cool, cool. Because I, I just think it would be funny to walk past knights and be like, man, knights suck. <laughs> <laughs> and for all you listeners out there who have not seen Galavant, I highly recommend it. It's an amazing show, and uh, I'm really bummed out that I don't think they're ever going to release it on DVD. I'm never going to get a box set with with a million special features that I want. <laughs> well, here's to crossing your fingers that being locked down, people or companies are starting to be a little bit generous about what we can watch online because we can't go out. So I know that just today I was watching Onward on Disney+. Plus. That movie was amazing. It, it, it warmed my geek heart <laughs> to to watch that film. Which I've heard people, a lot of people say that because like, uh, I, I think that the previews did not do it justice. No, not at all. The, for, within the first five minutes, you learn that one of the brothers is totally into their version of Dungeons and Dragons and Magic Gathering. <laughs> and he's I'm, not talking about it. I'm looking fact, very forward so, to that because, oh, gone. In fact, he's so proud of it that his younger brother is embarrassed <laughs> by how much he is into this stuff. So, um, so definitely it got me hooked. But the whole premise is amazing, and I would never have thought of it. I keep hearing good things about that movie from people who were who, because who, a lot of my friends uh, are busy working, but mm-hmm. not now. Now, <laughs> now they're at home and they watch Onward, especially since it's added on Disney Plus. Um, and I had no, the, the, when I say the previews did, didn't do it justice, I had no interest in seeing that unless I could see it conveniently at my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that it is available, a click away, I'm definitely going to go, I'm definitely seeing it now. Um, mm-hmm. And I keep hearing good things about it. And it's just weird to, to, to have my mindset about a thing change so dramatically from like, oh, nah, I'm, I'll, I'll pass on this movie to, I can't wait to see it tonight. <laughs> It reminds me of when Disney launched Zootopia. Yeah. Because Zootopia, when I saw the previews, I'm like, I don't care about this. And then when I actually saw, I'm like, this movie is fucking amazing. Holy shit. What, how it addresses very uh, mature situations was amazing. And Onward, when I look at it, is actually not a kid's Disney film. It's... If you like Zootopia, you're going to generally like Onward because it's meant for an older audience. Like, protagonist is, like, 16. And so you're talking about, like, a kid that's dealing with a, um, a lot of issues, not just fitting in into the crowd, but also having uh, the relationship that he has with his brother, um, who he's not proud of. Um, but his brother knows things and goes, I know how to do this. And goes, but you know, we need to go the normal route. It's like, no, but we need to go the route that no one takes. And, uh, but people don't follow him because he seems, uh, off. And when we get to the end, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I cried. I oh, no. <laughs> and part of it is that Pixar is amazing at storytelling. Uh, consistently like even the short films pixar is an amazing uh story engine for so many things like toy story um 
bow, um, float, like uh, so many uh, t uh, up, you know, like, well, up is, I think up is not Pixar, um, but. No, up is Pixar, isn't it? Oh, it is? Okay. Well, yeah, I'm up just... is Pixar. Good, good. But yeah, so like I have never been disappointed with um, with the storytelling in Pixar and not maybe everything is like my genre necessarily, but they tell a damn good story. And Onward is definitely among among those that uh, deserve a view. Now, I, I'm not really much of a crier when I watch movies. Uh, the last time I cried was uh, Coco. Coco made me ugly cry at the end. So I don't – do you think that Onward's going to make me cry? Because uh, Coco really uh, – <laughs> I was like – I remember wiping tears away. I was like, stop it! <laughs> oh, uh the thing about I'm not really a crier at movies either, but yeah. it's usually a specific moment that you just don't expect that just brings tears to your eyes. It's not that you're going in and like I'm prepared to not cry or I'm prepared to cry. It's the thing that it just hits you from time like, oh my god, that and you hear and you feel that realization the same time the characters do, and you just become overwhelmed. And that's uh that's what I think of as a good cry in a movie. Uh, not crying because uh, they're punching you with emotions of, you need to feel this way. Yeah. That's, I, I, I don't like forced crying or forced feelings that just don't feel natural. For me, it was the, you were overwhelmed with, oh my God, and a certain realizations that just brought water to my eyes. See, and I I don't know if it's the overwhelming. I feel like it's the the kink in the armor because like, and and it's not armor that I know. I'm not I'm not actively like I'm not gonna cry. I've got this. It's that I uh, if I see the heart, if I see them pulling the heartstrings, I'm not necessarily going to be uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry. Like I'm like oh they're trying to get emotion at me. I don't like seeing it. It has to be very subtle. So in Coco, when at the end, I wasn't ready for that bit of humanity that that really uh. uh um, the, the emotion that I knew was like, it was in the King of the Armor where I'm just like, the, 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 when they start singing Remember Me at that very end, I was like, ow, what? Where did that come from? I didn't know. I thought I had that covered. Well, do you think that Onward is going to get that? Because I feel like uh, that moment in Coco was very relatable. And that little moment, like, one thing I really love that you said is that it's a surprise, it's mm -hmm. a thing that you did not expect to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings, for me, the tears. <laughs> Yeah, I think what I would say is uh, just go watch it um, and enjoy the story, enjoy the humor, um, especially if you're any level of geek whatsoever. Um, it has a lot of nods to geekdom, and you will enjoy it for that ride. And But as it progresses, you could see more of the story unfold, along with some action-adventure. Um, I also love how... Um, how even with the characters, it's very, very, you could tell the cast is very diverse. Um, and, um, and not everybody has to be, not everybody involved in the, in some of the big fights are young, healthy males. Let's just say that. <laughs> Which is a polite way of saying it, a very diplomatic way of saying it. <laughs> I also didn't want to spoil anything, so I was like, you need to go watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I super appreciate it. I'm going to watch it tonight. <laughs> I will watch it tonight.
Um, do you think that this might bring people into more of a, a appreciation of fantasy who might not otherwise have before? I think right now we're in a we're going to start embracing fantasy just because of our own situation. Things that look too much like reality are not going to be as embraced as much. Um, things that are like either a skew left of reality, like a lot of animations, um, even things like uh, Daybreak or Tiger King <laughs> would also would also grab people's attention because it feels very unreal, even though Do Tiger King is an actual documentary. And that's what makes it so compelling because it's it's not like it's made up because no one can really make that up. It's just so weird. Um, and I understand why the Internet gets obsessed with it, because like it's a it's like uncovering this hidden thing that no one ever talks about and <laughs> like a bad toupee with glitter. And, and you can't help but look and see what's tattooed underneath the sky. <laughs> That's bad. Bad toupee glitter is perfect. That yeah. is a perfect way of describing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so back on uh, your role playing, uh, Twin Mask LARP. Uh, that is pretty awesome. Everything I've seen has been way too cool. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> so Twin Mask LARP is a LARP, as a fantasy setting LARP in Southern California. Uh, right now, we're not um, convening uh, for obvious reasons, but it's probably one of the biggest LARPs in Southern California. It numbers, the attendance is over 300 people. Whoa. Yeah. Um, that's why it's not possible for us to meet, because we would break all sorts of violations <laughs> I meet right now. But I began playing in that LARP in February 2011. So it's... Uh, so it would be nine years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember when the uh, I remember when the first game was blow 40, raining hard, all several tents were flooded or or the wind blew them away. Um, and we were miserable. It was just cold and damp. And that was the very first game. And somehow there was a second game. <laughs> but. Um, I played this character who is a drunk lord who can heal people. Um, that's how he can relate to people, because he drinks and heals people. So therefore, he can talk to anybody. Um, eventually, uh, from doing politics and healing and like being rich enough to talk to anybody, uh, he eventually became um, one of the first councilmen, and he eventually became the duke of his own land. And... Uh, the site that we were playing at, the Cronenberg um, Ren Fair, or uh, the Cronenberg uh, site in Corona, that was called Port Frey, and that was the land that I was the Duke of. So it's surreal. Is it, it, is it, is it normally in Corona? Yeah, it's normally in Corona. Well, damn it. I didn't know it was like just down the street from me. <laughs> Unfortunately, like the site is no longer available for for game, and they're looking for a new site right now. Oh, okay, all right, all right. I feel better for justifying why I haven't gone. <laughs> but for the longest time, I was actually the duke or the ruler of like that whole that whole group. Now I'm sort of like the queen of England, where I'll just do politics behind the scenes, but other people are actively governing. And now you can actually say that you are on Disney Plus because of it, right? 
Yes. <laughs> because um, the world, according to Jeff Goldblum, um, when they did their thing about LARP, or talk, uh, they did the thing about gaming, of which LARP was one of them, Twin Mask was the featured LARP in that. Now, you won't see me in any of that in any of that footage because the footage was really about like 10 minutes and um it didn't get cut um it didn't have me in it but i still have damn it (laughs) but i still have pictures of me and jeff goldblum um doing that forearm shake yeah and i remember that moment very clearly because uh he was introduced as lord whitehall so he was a foreign you know he was a foreign lord and i was the ruler of my land so I was introduced to him. We did the forearm shake. He pulled me in for a hug, and my brain went, oh, my God, I'm hugging Jeff Goldblum. I'm also LARPing with Jeff Goldblum. We're both our characters. We're both LARPing together. And for a minute, I don't remember what happened because I was so starstruck of the fact I was LARPing with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I, I barely remember what happened. <laughs> did, did life find a way? <laughs> or did roleplay find a way? Which which what found a way to get me to get you back in the game? <laughs> roleplay found a way because after after the introductions happened, then he was introduced to the next dignitary. But my brain went, oh my god, that happened, and then <laughs> and uh and then there were also pictures to prove it. So I have the picture on my Instagram. It's like here, here's me roleplaying with Jeff Goldblum. The most likes of any picture I, I put on Instagram because. It's LARPing with Jeff Goldblum, and of I get course. to say, and I get to say that I, I'm one of the people people who did that. So, <laughs> so go me. <laughs> uh, your podcast, uh, life life action roleplay, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. I was making sure that I remembered it. Yes. Yes. Um, in the, the podcast, I was looking at, it, I was listening to it. It's all about teaching people how to roleplay, right? Or at least like guiding them to tips and tricks on roleplaying. It's a lot of, um, yeah, it's a lot of how-tos, um, not just how to um, play a charismatic character, how to play vampire politics, how to play, um, um, how to flirt with someone with consent, <laughs> um, <laughs> how to deal with bleed, which is the, which is like if you're angry at someone in character to make sure that when you're done with that role play that you don't remain angry with that person when you're done playing. And, is that uh, a thing that happens? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's one thing to uh, have you ever gone to a situation where you're playing a role playing game, and you're in character and you're like sad about something or you're angry about something, and then once the game was done, you were still sad or angry about it, even though you know in your head that that was just a character. Like that's called bleed. And I don't ha- I don't have a lot of bleeds. <laughs> I, one of my one of my uh my, my theme park job. Let's say well, I'll I'll keep it at theme park job. I don't even mention what theme park. But uh-huh. one of the things that they teach you is to keep that shit inside. Keep that shit once you pass by the boundaries, it's it, you no longer have that emotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's kind of like a trained in us, so it's stuck. <laughs> and like I know that many people in, in Twin Mask are in the entertainment industry, so we know to do that. But not everybody is, and not everybody um, has a coping mechanism to deal with bleed. The easiest way is to go to afters or go to a place, 
after the game and just hang out and have food together. And usually that will take you out of it because then you're dealing with that person in as not that character. And you can even talk about what had happened in a very neutral space. So there are ways to resolve Bleed. And uh, in our podcast, we address those topics. We also address uh, um, other topics like making a character background. Uh, we talk about... Um, uh, I know that with my sister and I, we talked about like being a uh, being a minority in in a game um, play, and playing a minor- minority. But one of the things I also don't do is I don't really talk about um, the fact that the three of us are diverse, you know, because it. Uh, I want the content to stand on its own, not be, and I don't want people to listen. It's like, well, you should listen to us because you have a Latina woman, a bisexual guy, and a gay Filipino. <laughs> like that has never been an, uh, an appeal to anybody. But saying that we actually have um, guests in um, who um, create games, um, active people who are in live streams, and we talk about like uh, different role playing elements um, role playing in live stream, role playing in LERP, uh, playing a character. And we talk about all of these things. And we've had really cool guests like um, Jason Carl from um, Vampire Masquerade and Grant Imahara from Mythbusters. Like they, they've they been our friends and like come to our podcast where we just talk about things. Um, and LARP has become more and more mainstream. Not We're not there yet, but people have definitely now heard of LARP because before people would ask what it is. Now people know it's that weird geeky thing. And I'm like, yep. That would be thing. <laughs> the, 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 the exact response that you had when you first heard about LARP. <laughs> yes. It's like, what? No. I won't be, <laughs> be that weird. Those weird people. <laughs> um, if there was a LARP set in the realm of uh, serials, uh, what, which, which serial, serial mascot would you want to play as or would you base your character on? Oh. Um, I would probably, um, I would be probably be, um, the mascot from Lucky Charms. Nice. <laughs> um, just so I could tell people I'm magically delicious. Aww. <laughs> I, I recently, uh, met someone who did not know of Lucky Charms and, uh, I started explaining Lucky Charms. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a leprechaun with, you know, his Lucky Charms. And she asked, well, what are the Lucky Charms? And I had two options on me. I had either one, I got to make up what his Lucky Charms are. I got to just bullshit. And I was so tempted to do that. But on the other hand, I also got to, uh, sing the song. (laughs) And show how much uh, commercialism and capitalism has trained me to know what the Lucky Charms are. And I, uh, I don't know if I chose the right, right choice, but I, I definitely told her exactly what the Lucky Charms are. I was like, uh, heart stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue. And I, I did a whole thing. And I was like, damn it. I had the one chance to be able to make it up and be like, oh, yeah, his Lucky Charms. Uh, there's, a, there's bacon. There's a... Uh, <laughs> 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 I would eat bacon cereal. I'd be down. I actually, uh, today, I had cereal that I've never seen before. It was a Eggo waffle cereal. I've seen that before. You've seen that before? Because I've seen, I, I, I remember back in the day, they had a, back in my day, back in my childhood, uh, they had a waffle crisp. Um, mm-hmm. 
and Waffle Crisp was gone. And I saw the Eggo Waffle, and I was like, awesome. I, I, I want to try to see if it stands to my memory of Waffle Crisp. But then right next to it, they had Blueberry Eggo Waffle. Mm-hmm. And I'm obsessed with blueberries, so there was no chance in hell I was going to pick the regular one if there's blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> I also realized Lucky Charms are not as prevalent as they used to be. Like, I don't remember seeing commercials about it, like, in the past five years. I'm inclined to agree. I'm yep. inclined to agree. And I don't really see them on the shelves either, so it's, uh, we may have dated ourselves by mentioning Lucky Charms. <laughs> now, you have a costume of a post-apocalyptic uh, Mario, and one of my favorite things is, during quarantine, you were out and about in that costume. <laughs> yes. I figured if you're going to dress for the apocalypse, um, do it in style. And it was based off of my LARP character from Dystopia Rising NorCal. And, uh, <laughs> um, my Wasteland Mario. And so I went out there and um, was very proud of it. Uh, it also made me realize when I had gone out there, why aren't all of you wearing masks? Like, you should be wearing masks right now. You're, you should be covering your hands and it's weird to see the amount of people who keep in mind this was maybe like a week and a half ago where like the lockdown was new but in my area i do see it taken a lot more seriously i think uh last time i went out i maybe saw only two people without a mask um but everybody else wore masks i don't wear a mask i usually wear a scarf um around my face because I want masks for the people who are immunocompromised or people who are susceptible um, to yeah. getting sick. And uh, according to certain reports, um, bandanas and um, scarves are okay as a last resort when you don't have a mask. Um, it also makes more sense because it covers more of your face. So it feels more secure, and that's the reason why I will always go outside with a scarf, not a um, mask, because I could also wash it. I, uh, I wore a, uh, a bandana around my mouth uh, at work the other day, and I work at a warehouse where there's no, there's no air conditioning, no, it's all very stale air, and mm-hmm. I started getting dizzy because of all, because I just had the handkerchief right there, and it was just overheating me, and I'm like, I couldn't, I was going to pass out if I kept that mask on, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a fun worry as an essential worker <laughs> that I can't. I couldn't keep that mask on for that long. Like I wore, I wore the mask when I went to the grocery store. I wore the mask, and that was fine. That was that was not a full day's work. That was just me going to get groceries and me coming home. So I was able to wear the mask then. Mm-hmm. But at work, nope. Mm-hmm. And I, it was amusing when I bought, uh, I bought a bottle of wine, and the guy was like, uh, um, he's like, "Are you over 21?" I was like, "Very." And he's like, "Can I see you? <laughs> Can I see? Can you lower the mask for a second? I was like, "Sure." And then bring out, and then I. I didn't get to see it because there's no mirror or anything, but I just imagined like a big poofy beard coming out of the mask. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when I put the mask back on and I saw my reflection afterwards, these sides of my beard were sticking out and it looked like really weird uh, <laughs> sideburns, just really poofy sideburns. <laughs> I look like an old timey, uh, back when you look at the, the older unknown presidents that we've had. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And their cyberns are all coming out of nowhere. That's how I looked. <laughs> oh, so basically, basically quarantine mutton chops is what yep. you have. 
<laughs> when I have when I have the handkerchief, when I have the bandana, I've got mutton chops going out. <laughs> I've got I've got the uh, upside down Wolverine going on. <laughs> right now, I mean, every guy that I know is either going full clean shaven or full beard. Like there's not even in between. I'm the closest to it in between because I just don't like my when I grow my beard out, it just gets super scraggly. And then I hate it. Even if I use like beard oil to try to tame it, it just doesn't tame very well because it's just I have coarse beard hair. So after a while, I'm like, no, I can't do it. So I just have to trim it down. And um, I the reason why I can't go full clean shaven because uh, I just man like uh, I look so ridiculously young that it's yeah. like yeah it's like it just doesn't look it just doesn't look right. At all, and people are like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I'm trying something different. Don't hate me." <laughs> I feel like a, a lot of times when people describe my beard, they forget that you know there, there's also you know Jews have beards because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm Jewish. But I feel like a lot of times when people compare the beard, like someone was uh, someone at work said, "Oh, why is everyone looking like lumberjacks?" I was like, "Uh, hello, Rabbi, thank you. Uh, I'm not going for a lumberjack. <laughs> I'm not I'm not wearing plaid. <laughs> I mostly wear black." <laughs> <laughs> and then a uh, um, and a friend of mine said uh, uh, they're like they said Amish, and I'm like nope, still still I, I love technology. I'm on my phone. No, I'm if anything, <laughs> if anything, I'm singing about being a rich man. That's what I'm singing about. <laughs> <laughs> May we all be rich during this time of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, that song depresses me every time they get to the verse of when you're rich, they think you really know. That depresses me more now than ever before. <laughs> oh, God. It's so, so poignant. It really is. Like, I'll, I'll listen to the song and I'll enjoy it, but then they get to that line, I'm like, ah, oh, you fucking people. <laughs> um, so we're out of time. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on here. I always love talking to you. Uh, when we're done with quarantine, you and I definitely have to go get food or yes. a drink or something. Uh, yes. And I'm, I'm so hug deprived. I'm gonna hug everyone I meet when I when we're done here. I'm gonna just like I'm gonna go on a tour of hugging all my friends. <laughs> Fine, I'm gonna. I'm, then this is free license for me to tackle you in a cuddle. You better, you better. Damn, I I, I demand a tackle a cuddle tackle. Awesome. Um, where can people find your stuff? All right. People could find me on Facebook and Instagram under Ryan Omega. You could find me under Twitter under Ryan OMGA on Tuesday evenings on the Twitch channel Blanks. Uh, sorry, Twitch channel Scabby Rooster. I have Blank Slate. It's currently in reruns, but in a couple of weeks we will be doing Blank Slate Timeless, which will be a online version of a live live stream. So we're going to be doing that. Um, Mondays, I do on Scabby Rooster. I also play Total Party Kills. Uh, once a month, I do Life Action Roleplay, a LARP podcast, and you can find that wherever podcasts are found, like iTunes and Podbean. And on occasion, you will see me on the Fine Brothers React channel, uh, where I'm reacting to various things of the day. And any last tips to role, people aspiring to roleplay? Um. Yes. Um, if you are doing a one-shot, the, your ultimate goal is to have fun and don't be afraid to to die in the process because it's just a story and you'll survive it. If you're going for a long campaign, build relationships because that's what will matter. 